0: Yes sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. Ride. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just, just ride. All my
1: people, throw your hands up high and just, just ride. Where you're from east side to uh, west side. Just, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. Just ride. From Cali to NY, Come you know
0: on. we all. From
1: the floor Florida key to DP. Hey, Ryan. How, how you doing? You hey, good, Jason. Ride. How are you? i doing all right. You having a good weekend? Pretty good.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Um, Weather's good. Yeah, how about yours?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, pretty standard for me. Weather was all right. Uh, got outside. Um, usually, what I do during this like lockdown is just kind of head to the park and stuff. We're they're starting to. I was reading like they're starting to lift some things up around California, but the Bay Area still has its shelter in place, and um, I'm not actually, actually clear what. Open. I keep looking for when the barber shops are going to open up, but uh, it's. I'm mm, gonna. I, mean, I think I'll probably end up waiting uh, a week or two before I go, just because I know it's going to be like a whole like crowd of people that go. So I'll probably just wait a bit, and then I don't have to wait. We'll see. See how it goes.
0: Yeah, here. Um, I guess we're still in phase one. Okay. Uh, that I mentioned to you. Yeah. And um, that doesn't tell daycares and. You know, in my son's case, his, um, his, uh, his, his intervention therapy. So that's good for him. Okay. Uh, barber shops will be next salons. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty good. Weather was okay. It was a little on the cool side. Okay. Um, and, uh, but yeah, sun's out, you still go out and, uh, you know, get your walks in when you, uh... um, it's funny how we value outdoor time now, um, <laughs> Yeah. Right, because it's uh, I guess take it for granted until throw back, uh, yeah, yeah, until the country puts you on lockdown. So,
1: do you um, uh, when, when you head out? Do you guys mask up always? Like even if you're just outside on your driveway, like going around the block, or is it only when you go to no,
0: the like store? And and, and no, uh, we don't. And in fact, this weekend was particularly bad because um, twice I went into stores and I didn't mask up at all, and it's, okay. it's not like me. I'm um, I'm pretty adamant about the social distancing. Okay. I don't like it. I will. I actually have no issue in telling people okay. um, who are lining up behind me if they could, you know, back calmly up. just back up a few paces, okay. and yeah. I make sure I keep my distance. Um, I don't bring the kids inside any stores. We try and do the shopping with the parents. We're, uh, you know, latex gloves and and, and okay. mask. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're starting to. If it's just a quick in and out at a store and there's no lineup, sometimes okay. you just so it's not, go it's in not there without a mask. It's, it's not. Required. Uh, so some stores require it. Okay. Yeah, some stores require it. Because mm-hmm. like so, here,
1: um, okay, it's a bylaw. So the only time the only time I really wear it is yeah, if I'm going indoors to the store. And really, the only mm-hmm. time I'm really going out now, besides walking around the block, is really to Whole Foods and Safeway to get some food. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 bylaw to, to wear it there. But uh, otherwise mm-hmm. when I walk around outside now just go for walks I, I notice a lot of people not really wearing masks I also don't really because when I'm walking around there's just no one around me I take the elevator down I'm, I'm 80% of the time I'm the only person in the elevator so yep you know. yeah yeah I my parents live in an apartment and they uh,
0: you know I'll if there's someone there I'll say don't worry yeah okay. the next one
1: um, I'll line up at uh, Whole Foods. Right now, it used mm-hmm. a few months ago, like we had to, they were just being really strict about the capacity, about people, how many people they were letting in the store at one time. So that lineup would stretch like, I don't even know how far, we, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, would it be a full kilometer? I'm not, not, not really. That's, that's extreme, but it was, it's at least a hundred meters for sure. I mean, anyway, it's just wait, snaking around the building, but then they've gradually loosened it up a bit to a point where they could open up the second door, which is just, it's all on the facing the same side of the street. And then I remember one day, I was like, okay, well, the the lady was just saying, Hey guys, like where we have to block you here because this is the produce and it's just a full area here, but you can go into that second door there. You can go in and walk around. That's fine. We're just splitting. We're just sort of splitting people up right now. But for whatever reason, a lot of people just still continue to stay in line. Like I'm not sure. It's not like we're in separate building. It's not a huge facility. It's uh, it's just a normal store. So anyway, I go. I always go into that second door now, and, and it still baffles me for like two or three weeks in a row. This has been the case, and it's still like lineups of people who prefer to just stand in line and wait because they want to go in through that one door. I haven't quite figured right. out why, why that is, but
0: uh, that is um, pretty
1: mm, yeah. pretty interesting. Anyway, yeah. I mean, you see also.
0: Yeah, you see all sorts of behavior. I think that otherwise wouldn't be normal. And
1: um... well, yeah, I was gonna say it's part of it is the behavior that's a little strange, but then also it's all this minutiae that, like, I guess when lockdown, like, my attention is just going to all these things that otherwise I would be like, okay, well, I got a lot of other stuff going on now. Now that because that's my 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 excursion out for the week, that I'm like, okay, well, I'm mm-hmm. attention to, like everything. But uh, okay, how about we um, we dive into it? Um, mm-hmm. So uh Last week we covered kind of greatest raptors, really enjoyed that um and this week we're talking basketball, but it 's kind of off court stuff. We wanted to talk about a few players that had come to our minds as guys that had really contributed not as, like not just that they were great basketball players or had a, had a uh had contributed on the court but also that they did something in that Affected the world in some way. It might've been the basketball world, like off court. It might've been just society. And I think like the reason for this is because, uh, I mean, when I, when I was throwing this idea to you, Ryan was like, for me, part of why I'm a fan of basketball, aside from like, it's an exciting game, it's fast moving. There's just like almost superhero, like feats that are, that are performed on that basketball court that you kind of, that's how I view that sport more than other, other sports. Um, But it's also like, uh, It's a sport that sort of brings a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds together. It's a sport that kind of has been a a vehicle for empowerment for many people, and so um, and so that's sort of what drew me in, and it's kind of why I was interested to to sort of just examine a few people and sort of celebrate them. Um, And I think like what uh, well when we drop our different podcasts week over week, I mean, they're definitely we're going to dive into a lot of things that are very technical, like we're you, know, you and I are both just big basketball fans, so we're really going to get in like we did last week about kind of um, the nitty-gritty of different players or teams or what's going on in the league. But then also I think like for other fans who are the listeners who may not necessarily follow all the, the day-to-day and the very granular level of basketball, I think that there's a lot of just human interest stories that come out of the sport, and I think it's important to share as well. So that's kind of the kind of overview of like how we, uh, kind of came to like this topic this week. Um,
0: yeah, I, I think, um, for me, when you, um, give credit where credit's due, you, you came up with this topic and I was thinking, and I don't know why. Um, I guess it's just the nature of today's social media and and hot takes and just people being contrarian that I don't want people to misconstrue the theme of this podcast. We're not I mean, I'll speak for myself. you can chime in after. Um, we're not endorsing these people as some sort of humanitarians of the okay. year yeah. or trying to lionize them. Again, yeah, I'll speak okay. to myself. I think we're just trying to mention them as guys who just did um, who did a lot in basketball. Yeah, Basketball may have brought them to the dance and now they're leaving with much more than just the game they play professionally. Yeah, I think simply put, they're just athletes who were big in this sport and continued winning after in both attention and dollars made for themselves or the various causes they champion.
1: Do you want to uh, kick it off? Like who we got up, who we got up first? So (laughs) LeBron
0: James, um, who, funny, within my circle of friends, I've had to kind of be his... um, Okay. You know, the president of his fan club. But yeah, I mean, I have no problem in saying that when it's all said and done, I'm a LeBron James guy. I love, I like basketball and like basketball and, you know, completely wall off the man's game and his accomplishments and whatnot. Um, You're just really not being um, intellectually honest with yourself. Um, And it's funny, we are talking about a player who still has what? Five, eight, ten more years in him, according to himself. Uh, he, yeah, I think he's. I think he sees a player like Tom Brady and figures that he can do it. Yeah. It's just really funny how I think how he approaches the game. Um, so and LeBron right. is, yeah, LeBron's only a couple years younger than me. Uh, we <laughs> would have gone to the same high school. Yeah. Um. Uh. He was so good, so young that. Um, I think the LeBron fatigue was already a thing before his first NBA game. Just a quick note. I met a guy who's actually from Akron, Ohio. Okay, I met him in Houston. He's a lawyer in Houston and he went, he did not go to St. Mary's, but he went to a rival school okay. and he told me that, I mean, you just wouldn't believe it. And, um, he, he says he just, it was just unexplainable living in that part of Ohio okay. and how, um, and how uh, magnetic the okay. legend of LeBron James was. Okay. Um, so when you know he did when ESPN did play uh, a high school game at the time uh, that that I believe drew some record ratings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The, yeah. They just uh, yeah star was born, but yet we were just finding out what the locals already knew at the time. Um. And with that came. You know, I mean, I'm not going to run down his entire Wikipedia, but yeah. you know, you're yeah. talking um, excelling at um, the game of basketball. Uh, Sports Illustrated covers. He's got obviously a an, as a high school a number of endorsements. I'm uh, not, not just saying. Well, yeah, I mean, when he was I mean, up, out of high sorry, school, like, he, yeah. he had all that. But I'm just talking about where he is, kind of, sure, yeah. from high school to now, right? It's 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 just a culmination of. You know, Sports Illustrated covers endorsements. He's made his little stints on Saturday Night Live. He's um, he's mainstream within. Um, you know, he'll he'll appear on CNN. Rappers will drop his name. Actors want to be with him. Uh, you know, it's funny because actors are these pretentious people. Yet I feel like they're starstruck when they see a guy like him. So yeah, he really is. He's not just a list. That would be doing him a disservice. Um, he's the top one percent of the a yeah. list community.
1: Yeah, he's um, than
0: life. yeah. I would actually recommend. We, maybe we can put the the link up. Um, you know, I just I actually in doing research for this pod, I, I saw his uh, sixty minutes episode.
1: I think yeah uh, with Steve that. Croft when
0: he inter yeah. yeah when Steve Croft interviewed him when he was just twenty four years old. So he was already six years in. And it's just funny how he just talked about um, basketball just being a means to an end. I mean, he didn't say in those words, he used it. I believe he used it as using basketball as a vessel um, for future um, endeavors, but fast forward into today. um, Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got the uh, LeBron James I promise school. Yeah. um, And most recently in light of, all the the news that's happening now going into this election year, he is starting um, a voting rights movement, which is pretty remarkable considering that, you know, for people who are, I I don't want to say ignorant, but people who I guess maybe studied grade 10 civics and read about the 1960s uh, civil rights movement are probably thinking, what the heck is this guy doing in 2020? But it it very much is, uh, is very much in the news today. Um, yeah, I mean, LeBron is for me a guy who, look, he, um, he, he's had success and failures. He, he, his his highs have been really high. His lows have been really low. Um, he's won championships. He's lost championships. Um, so when I was thinking of, because I really do find him um, very different than. Michael Jordan and LeBron. Sorry. I, I really okay. do find LeBron James different than Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Okay. And I was really trying to think of who he relates to. Yeah. And I really can't think of another athlete and believe me, I tried, Okay, but I really do think that LeBron James is in a lot of ways. Um, like John Cena. Okay. They are both yeah. physically perfect. They meet <laughs> the eye test and they absolutely crush it in their crafts. Um, they are both "quote" hated because they're both company guys. They were pegged as number one right out the shoot. There was no, there was no, um, you know, rookie woes or sophomore jinx. No, these guys were just um, alpha males from the get go. And as as a result, you kind of have the internet fans and the live fans kind of shitting on them, but
1: yet, <laughs>
0: okay. as all the measurables show. They draw the most ratings. Yeah. they bring in the most merchandise. They have the highest Q score. Yeah, pr- despite more who are more revered. I mean, I have no doubt that um, I'm trying to think of a current NBA player or an NBA player. Um, like I, I could see people having a higher opinion uh, approval rating if there is such a thing as someone like a Dwayne Wade, okay, or uh, you know Brandon Roy, or just kind of all his other contemporaries over the years, right? Um. Yeah. Maybe now a Giannis is more revered than LeBron James, but yet um, the measurables come in at the end of the day, and it's it's network execs, it's it's people at um, advertising firms saying, "No, it's LeBron James all the way." So um, I, I really can't explain it. So LeBron James is uh, the comparison to LeBron James and John Cena is the best I could come up with. I don't know if you have a better explanation yeah. for the love hate.
1: I um yeah, I think it's. The love hate you you hit it on the head. I think when you earlier were talking about how we 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 almost got burned out by him, like before he even joined the league, just because there was that coverage before. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know. Like there's this tendency, certainly before, maybe less now. I think that at that time, where someone's coming out with that much hype, you just you, you you know, there's this at least at least a segment of population who want to see that guy kind of knock down a peg or put in his place, you know, and. And so I think there was a bit of that, and then, yeah, the comparison to John Cena—I've made that comparison for a long time. Like these two guys who sort of walk this straight line; they never get into trouble. They hold the company—they're like kind of the front person for the company—and they're constantly—they're mm-hmm. they're always committed to. Like John Cena is supposed to have done so many Make-A-Wish different uh, whatever we call those. Like the his mm-hmm. work with Make-A-Wish, he apparently just is com- completely committed to that. So LeBron as well—you yeah. mentioned the school. Uh, and you mentioned a few other things like he's involved with, like it's, I think that's because he's like the best player today. I mean, my opinion, he's the best player today. He's going to be a top five um, all time for sure. And he, I mean, we talked about Jordan earlier, but I think like so much of the other work that he's doing outside of basketball is that might very well be what he ends up getting remembered by because we're still stuck Mm -hmm. in the player now, but what about, you know, five and 15 years. I don't know, but because just thinking for a second, I promised school quite an achievement. I was just uh, seeing a a bit about how they raised the, they took like kind of the most, I don't know what the right word is, but kind of the most um, sort of at risk third and fourth graders. There was a lot of thought that went into that school. It wasn't a charter school. They had to work with the the school board in Akron and they took the, just these at risk kids um, and he himself calls himself like at that time, like he was at risk that like, he missed 83 days of school one year about that age. He had to live with another family. There were not a lot of details, mm-hmm. and mean, he probably wants to keep some stuff private. And I think like their research that the foundation had done was to show that that was the right age. Like that was the, the really important age where if you could get to a kid then and kind of get them in school, get them the backing they needed, that they would, um, you'd have the best chance of like sort of, getting them back on their path and, and, uh, getting them a future. And the plan would be, I think to eventually just expand the grades beyond that as they can kind of build up that school and the early results had shown, like they went from like the one, the one percentile, which means you're at the absolute bottom, right? If, if, if you go from like one to a hundred, and they got up to like the ninth or sixteenth percentile, and like ninety percent of the kids exceeded what their expected level of uh, mm-hmm. like whatever in terms of reading or math, whatever their their measure their metrics were going to be. So there's been a lot of progress there, and I think I, at one point I remember seeing Barack Obama, yeah, kind of giving some praise to the the school at one point, like when the initial reports were. Coming oh, of out. course, yeah. So yeah, did so- you um? Just curious, because um, yeah. did you ever watch uh, The Wire? I've seen an episode. I meant to dive into it, but I haven't seen it now. Not in, not in. So, it's mention, so, so re- remember what you just
0: said now about okay. LeBron's I promise school targeting, um, okay. at risk and a certain age, because there's literally, well, there's five seasons of the wire. Okay. I want to say the third or fourth season deals with, um, primary school education. Okay. And that's exactly what a lot of the characters, um, okay basically the plot of an entire season so just remember that if, if you ever um yeah. yeah i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure you'll circle back i remember this conversation it but up. it just yeah. it just it just hit me right now as you were explaining i'm like oh my god he's describing the wire okay. uh, pretty cool um yeah i mean uh back to um back to I, I guess lebron's um hatred oh, yeah. um or okay. or um assumed hatred um <laughs> i just find lebron um not only does he like not give an F for okay. what his haters have to say, you know, because we've all heard it, right? He quote passes on big shots, or okay, he's lazy. He's lazy on defense now. Um, he was maybe top five, but not anymore. And yeah. uh, you know, it's definitely Michael Jordan, Kobe, then him. I think he actually. I'm, I'm, I'm not intimate with him or any any. And part of the close social circle, nor does he confide in me, but I really just from body language and what I can tell about the guy uh, again, watching the 60 minutes interview, I think he takes all that. And not only does he not contemplate giving uh, a giant fuck, I, I, I actually think he doesn't have time for all of that. Yeah. I really think that um, he's so involved yeah. in everything in his life, I mean, I think that, uh, and I, I'll get into it in a second. I think after the the 2016 championship okay. with Cleveland, yeah, he really had one foot out the door. Now that does not mean that he does not want to win at all costs. I just think he has a different way of obsessing over the game that that Kobe and Michael, who's always going to be compared to, um, obsessed over the game. And I'll give you the perfect example. I really think that the J.R. Smith. Uh, brain shark that he had in game one okay. a couple of finals ago where he just my yeah, god I mean it was complete debauchery yeah. yeah I really think that LeBron showered up and did not even mention it again whereas you just know Michael Jordan we know from the Michael Jordan documentary that he lets nothing go yeah. I he probably would still be you know thinking about if it J.R. Smith about, was his teammate yeah. he would still be giving it to him and Kobe to yeah. a certain extent I really think that LeBron just has a different mindset when it comes to the game that um, he he just has a different way of winning. And I think that it um, it's humbling for him. It works for him. And I think fans kind of know that too. And yet they're still going to hate on him in the comments section, thinking they're going to get a rise out of him, but he's pretty much Teflon when it comes to that. I think it's because the LeBron fatigue was a real thing at such a young age that he's kind of been dealing with his whole life. so you're not going to shake him then. You're probably not going to shake him now.
1: Yeah, I think – yeah, I mean just building on what you're saying here is he um, – I think he's an older man, you know. He's one of the older guys in the league. So I just think that you – as you grow up, as you've experienced more, and as I, he's achieved as well, you just grow a lot more comfortable in your own skin. You've sort of – he's been around the block. He knows how this goes. So not a lot's is really going to shake him. And I think when you're kind of playing with the younger guys – you're always going to feel that sort of sense of security and strength over those guys, at least until someone has shown that they really have surpassed you, which no one really has. I mean, we can't get into his head. We don't know him. But I would just think that, you know, you see his upbringing, you see what his focus is with his his school there in Akron. Like, it wasn't like he grew up thinking, okay, I'm going to play baseball professionally. I'm going to play basketball professionally. Like, he was – I remember this other article. He was amazed at this other guy who was playing for Ohio State. He was like, oh, that guy got a free – Full scholarship and he's just like well maybe i can get a full scholarship like his his whole view of the world and life is different from where he came from so i think like you when you have that you kind of have some perspective you're like okay look i'm gonna make some money to take care of my family give my son some opportunity that i didn't necessarily have off the bat i'm gonna live securely and and like that sort of is the basis for what um he's he's uh w- what his approach would be i just wanted to like touch up a few things that you're addressed like the the voting, um the, it's the more than a vote campaign. Like him and like Jalen Rose mm-hmm. against a few other players were going to get involved with in this. Like, so yeah, like even though that it, in law, like there is the right to vote, it's just that part of what the initiative is is to help more people who are from like working class communities who might be disenfranchised. You don't have, because it's actually a process. It's not like you could just show up to the station and vote. You got to go get the bright paperwork. You got to register like, then Correct. you got to find the polling station. So if we're from like Oakville, where we're from, it's quite a straightforward process. And like, even in my condo in mm-hmm. Toronto, the polling station was right in my lobby. So that's pretty, that's pretty easy. But from what I like yeah. to gather um, is, is that for some communities, it's actually not as, as simple. And some, you know, you get all these other barriers. And so the idea of this initiative is first to sort of get, yeah, raise awareness and get more people engaged because a lot of people in the U.S. don't vote, but also to sort of work through the bureaucracy and to help people know, like, what their rights are what they have to do because i mean there's been different allegations we, we won't get too deep into there's been some allegations in some mm-hmm. areas where there's voter suppression um that mm-hmm. you know, sort of make it difficult for certain yeah. people. so so that, i think that's what yeah. that initiative is for and uh, what we haven't really touched upon is his uh business acumen like he um he sort of took what jordan was doing or magic was doing and he sort of like okay i'm not just going to sponsor things I, I was reading um brian windhorse's lebron inc a few years ago and he basically decided okay i'm also going to be an owner so for example with beats he didn't just take a a fee to do his average his commercials he took part ownership so when apple bought beats mm-hmm. he received uh i think it was like three yeah. million dollars off that or something i forget exactly the amount but and he's also a part owner of liverpool um there was just different over businesses where he'll partner up with them but he gets a little piece of equity And I think that Mm -hmm. that's sort of, and it's sort of, and and, you know, also one thing that's sort of underrated is I think his conduct as essentially the face of the NBA has sort of set the tone for a lot of other younger players as to what they're supposed to try and be. So I think that's something that we, that we have to sort of, um, sort of respect and admire. I I think, um, yeah, yeah, like just certainly under a lot of scrutiny, I think um, one thing about LeBron, I mean, it's like a slight blemish. I got to just, I mean, when we talk about the story, a little okay. bit, for me, I know a lot of people, and I'm not talking about the decision. Like that decision raised a million dollars for charity. So, I mean, whoever had a problem with it, oh, like, I was actually going to talk about those you are people who live in, ahead. Yeah, they're living in a certain there. They, whoever has an issue with that is living a certain life where they they don't have that much struggle. Yeah. They're doing all right. Um, yeah, is that what sort of is not really going to be remembered by really anybody in the American media and the American market? But I think will be remembered by a good number of people in Asia. Was his um the when daryl Mori tweeted out and we're not going to necessarily go that's maybe a whole other we can end up in a rabbit hole if we go too deep into it but when daryl maury mm-hmm. th- tweeted out in support of hong kong protesters lebron like he kind of was he was silent for a week this is uh when he finally was facing the, the press and then his his response was almost sort of chastising daryl for speaking up and it was just sort of a little bit dismissive of Daryl Morey, He almost tried and there were reports that he even tried to have Daryl Morey thrown under the bus. He was like kind of questioning Dad of Silver like hey like how can you mm-hmm. punish him because like if this had been any, any other players speaking up then they would have been punished. Now some people allege that maybe LeBron was just sort of sticking up for Chris Chris Paul who had been his who's his friend who had been just traded from the Rockets to the Thunder and this is sort of a way of sort of needling Daryl Morey. a bit. I don't know mm-hmm. I that's one this theory mm-hmm. but like I, I, I would say, like from my vantage point, I was, I was mildly disappointed. Like I don't think that this erases anything we've said. Like everything else we said about LeBron, like it's just straight impressive. Um, Bay is really, it's really going to have a tough time finding somebody else like him. Um, yeah. But just it is worth mentioning, like, because he has been a very vocal, um, uh, vocal figure, and it's been really good for him to speak up on different causes like police brutality and, and uh, essentially, like, you know, that's really want to highlight um, mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. The issue is there was a lot of police brutality and he now I, And then he sort of dismissed what Darryl Moore was saying. Now, I'm not saying it's LeBron's job to start intervening in that area there. Now, it's certainly valid for people to question him on it because it's not just a random place in the world because it's not fair to expect somebody to have to fight everybody else's battles around the world. It's not his community. It's not his country. Um, it is a place though that where he does a lot of business and a lot of that money that they use to fund the foundation and the I promise school did come mm-hmm, from that part mm-hmm. of the world. That's where the shoes are made. And so it is certainly valid to ask. Now, I wouldn't fault him for taking the position he did, which his position is essentially a non-position. I mean, it's not his place. I think different countries, different movements and people are going to have to figure out how to make things work for them just as in in the u.s and in canada like people sort of have to do it i mean it's it's obviously very good when you can get um help from around the world but it uh i don't fault him for taking that position it is just um it's it was just I, um, disappointing the way he yeah. was it, it just mildly oh, it was it, it was, it it was it,
0: it, absolutely it was disappointing it's disappointing that yeah he kind of hasn't I mean, I don't know. I mean, he might have a tell all book one day and write a whole yeah. chapter and, Fair you know, enough. and maybe his next visit to, to Asia will, you know, will, he'll shed more color on it. But yeah, he really did botch that and so did his handlers. Someone should have smartened him up. Someone should have
1: yeah. gone
0: full PR mode. Uh, it, it was disappointing. And there absolutely Tweets
1: afterward that didn't that almost made it worse like it just i think if, right
0: but then he took him back i don't know
1: it was he didn't really take it man. no he never I, I hear took you. it back but we just moved on from it i think if he just honestly if he just said no comment or um he just sort of did the usual politically correct just pr just deflected the question like yeah i, I would have still been okay with it it wouldn't i would have had a whole amount of respect for he did speak up but like i was at a dinner with some yeah 30s, uh taiwanese american friends in singapore and um The general sentiment about this, because I mean, obviously, there's a lot of attention on this issue over there is no one really faulted LeBron for it. You know, it was disappointing. You could see it. You could hear it. But it wasn't like it's not his. it's not his responsibility. It's not his job. Right. Um, To to just sign, that's a separate issue altogether. We won't go there. But um, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. I think, like, just to, but anyway, I mean, that's just one small blemish, to be honest, in this whole, his whole record. Like, it's outstanding what he's done. I think the, uh, per the point of comparison for him, I would sort of almost think of Muhammad Ali, like just this guy who was on top of the game, who captured the world, and he mm-hmm. spread a lot of awareness to things that um, were going on and um, were not really being paid attention to. And so, I, I, that's kind of yeah. what it is. I almost think that we're going to look at him in that light. Again,
0: um just like they started the podcast, you know, we're, we've, the reason why we're picking all these guys to the extent that we are, is that they're a net positive. No one lives a perfect life, but in, in the scheme of a professional career and a post-professional career, um, add up the ledger. And I think if you're doing more good than bad, then, then, then good on you. And, and it's something yeah. worth celebrating. So um, it's funny you mentioned the decision too, because, you know, I find it laughable when people do talk about, I'll always come to the defense when people question his, his manhood, his brand, his legacy. Um, but, but I, I, had my LeBron James hate hat on when, when he was in Miami, um, the decision, I was just, you know, I, I just couldn't stand, um, the cluster shit that was, um, him, Bosch and Dwayne Wade just dancing horribly like Mason Puff Daddy did in their music videos. Um, it was really ridiculous at times. But looking, what happened after, and in retrospect, I really do think that he went to Miami for four years as like a spring break. He got the kid in him out. He got that, you know, Scarface. Boy, I'm obsessed with Scarface. He got that certain Miami uh 305 lifestyle out of him because okay. I don't know about you, but when he came back to Cleveland and, you know, the leaving Cleveland was, was terrible. They burned his jerseys. The, the owner penned a, a letter basically like, you know, bronze never welcome here. And then he's back to being this Ohio guy, like a blue collar. He's going to bring it back to Akron, back to Cleveland, back to the state, back to the city. It was this all for one mentality, and I think it culminated in that 2016 championship, and that's why I really think that him coming back and winning it for his uh, for his town, that's where I think that he had done it. No matter what happens after, I I, I really don't think he cares that he loses to Draymond Green every single year. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think he's okay with that. I, I just, I, ju- I just don't see him having sleepless nights about losing to the Warriors. Um, that third championship for me was I'm good. I'll try and win another one in LA, but if it doesn't happen, I got bigger and better things. And like you said, we might end up remembering LeBron James
1: for everything but basketball when it's all said and done. And among championships, like maybe in a separate podcast, that championship will be very memorable. Like not every championship. I oh, for sure. Is. So I just, I'll leave it at, you know, that's my last thought on that. Is it okay if I move yeah. on to the next guy? It's all you, man. So when I mentioned Bill Bradley to you, were you familiar with him before?
0: No, not at okay. all.
1: So, I mean, I, I, I heard, I heard the name of the course. name, right? So it's, it's yeah. amazing to me. Like the, ah. Uh, I'll I'll break with our pattern for now for this one guy. Like I won't even – I won't start with the NBA yet because his whole life is incredible. The NBA is almost the least significant thing that he ever did. But what he did as an NBA player, which I'll get to, is actually quite significant. He is an NBA champion and he is in the Hall of Fame. Um, so before the NBA, uh, in high school, like at one point he's considered the top high school player in the country. Okay, he's an All-American as a junior. So he's definitely a, a significant like player going to college. Different offers. He goes to Princeton. He could have gone to Duke, but he chose Princeton because he thought about his life after basketball because um he wasn't he wasn't sure that he was gonna play professional. I guess maybe he also had bigger visions. So he's playing for Princeton. While he's an undergraduate, he represents USA men's basketball at the 1964 Olympics in Japan. I think it's Japan. He wins the gold medal. So he's got he's an Olympic gold medalist before he's even done college. He takes Princeton to the final four. He loses. They lose in the semifinals. They go play a consolation game. You know, like the the three, like the two losers of the, like the not one yep. two. So he's playing that game. He scores fifty eight points. He wins the MVP of the Final Four, which I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. With a Final Four MVP, is the guy who didn't play in the championship game. He yeah. wins the James D e. Sullivan Award, the top amateur athlete. He still holds. And I'm only quoting like his 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 points and points per game as the Ivy League records, but free throws, like there's other records too. He still holds the Ivy league records. He graduated magna cum laude from Princeton. He's drafted by the Knicks in 1965, but he doesn't go right away. What he does is he gets a Rhodes scholarship and goes to Oxford to study politics, economics, and philosophy. So while he's at Oxford, he also plays for Olympia Milano, which is a team in Italy. And Mm -hmm. while he's there, they win the Euro league. Well, the predecessor is the European champions cup. So now this guy, before he's even made it to the NBA, he has won he's he's done some amazing things in college. He's won a, a gold medal at the Olympics and he's won a Euroleague. Okay. So then uh after that he he there was something interesting where he left Oxford a bit early. He finished some by some special exams later, he received his masters later, but he went to go to the arm the kind of the Army Reserve, the Air Force Reserve. And I, I think that might have to do with some stuff with like the Vietnam War. We had to just do some time. But he finally joins the Knicks. He has a ten-year career at the Knicks. And when we talked about Phil Jackson on the Knicks, and when I haven't, I don't think I've seen it, but Michael Rappaport's "When the Garden Was Eden," where they just profiled that, that Knicks team that was winning. That was it. Mm-hmm. He was a, he was on that team. He's an NBA champion in 1970, 1973. His peak was in, in the 1973 season, where he had 16 points per game, four four points, four assists per game. I mean, and he made the All Star team. He was inducted into the hall of fame in 1983 and the Knicks actually retired his number 34 Jersey. He was a fourth player behind Willis Reed, Walt Frazier. And there was that other guy, Dave Duboucher, Who I don't know who that guy is. So this guy is definitely a phenomenal Nick. I'm amazed that I haven't heard his name a lot more than I have, but now that's just the NBA. Okay. So he leaves the NBA immediately upon retirement. He runs for the U S Senate out of New Jersey. He wins three terms. He spends 20 years in the Senate and in the Senate, he targeted different, a lot of esoteric stuff that I had to sort of actually try to figure out what some of it was, and I didn't have enough time to figure it all out. Child support enforcement, laws around lead-related health issues for children. He was a sponsor for the Tax Reform Act. When you hear people talk about the Reagan tax cuts, like that was one yeah. of the bills. He was the sponsor in the Senate for that. That was, uh, it wasn't just tax cuts, but it was It was actually things that were somewhat progressive too, like it brought in the Earned Income Tax Credit, which is the third largest social welfare program behind, uh, behind Medicaid and food stamps. He was, it was like leveling out, um, the brackets, which I think maybe conservatives like the simplification, but it was also removing a lot of lower income people from the, uh, like the base already. So they weren't going to have to owe taxes as well as closing loopholes. So people couldn't evade, or they weren't evading taxes, but closing loopholes to actually sort of get that tax revenue that the government needs. So quite a significant piece of legislation. So he leaves the Senate. That's not the end of it. He runs against Al Gore for the Democratic Party nomination yeah. for president, which I wasn't aware of at the time. So his Yeah, uh, I'm
0: just going to I'm just going to get this in real quick, Jason. I remember Bill Bradley and yeah. they I think his headshot was him in a New York Knicks uniform. <laughs> so that's OK. That's how I got introduced to him. And he got some licks in with Al
1: Gore. So I'll let you continue. Okay. Well his his platform primarily was and this is amazing I'm reading it in 2020 because this was 20 years ago universal healthcare gun control and campaign finance reform mm-hmm. he also child poverty was a big issue for him and then he also his endorsements do you remember Ed Koch from uh, the people's court he was the New York City mayor mm-hmm. performer.
0: Yeah, yeah I remember the uh I remember the Ed Koch thing I just I I remember he um I just remember him saying or sorry I remember I believe it was MSNBC or CNN you know basically okay. giving once Al Gore was the um was the candidate and it was at the convention okay I remember them mentioning that because of Bill Bradley he had much like Bernie Sanders forced Hillary Clinton and now Joe Biden to move left on certain issues okay that was Al Gore's guy oh, yeah okay. they basically said that Bill Bradley was the guy that made Al Gore go left
1: on these certain Mm -hmm. issues.
0: So, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So, like, because, yeah, 2000, I only kind of, it's probably only around the time of actually after the nominations. I only knew of John McCain and Al Gore and Bush. I didn't recall enough of what was happening before before the actual nominations. Paul Volcker, the former chairman, uh, former chair of the Federal Reserve, he was also supporting Bill Bradley and Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson also endorsed him. Phil Jackson's actually a really good friend of Bill Bradley. Bill Bradley um, was the presenter for Phil when he went, when Phil Jackson went into the hall of fame. Oh, cool. Um, Cause uh, former Knicks teammates. Um, yep. Now that's not even the end of it because after he left uh, after, like he didn't win the nomination, obviously, but after politics, he was off. He turned down an offer to run the U S Olympic committee. He turned down the Democrats to pursue his old Senate seat. He earned an honorary doctorate in civil uh, civil law from Oxford he was a consider He endorsed Obama in two thousand eight, um, and he was actually considered for the to be Secretary of Health and Human Services, which we have now come to learn as a very important organization. In the <laughs> yeah, he yeah, was a director at Allen and Company, an investment bank. He was an outside advisor to McKinsey Global Institute, which is the nonprofit arm of McKinsey, the consulting company. He sat on the board of directors for Starbucks. He was an advisor or director in a bunch of other different consultancies and so nonprofits. Or different organizations I had or currently as a co-chair for the advisory board of issue one, which is a nonprofit whose goal it is to reduce the influence of money in American politics. I mean, when I read all that, good luck
0: with that. It's
1: like, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just, just leave it at that, that guy. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely amazing to me that first as a basketball player, I mean, obviously, yeah, we're too young to watched and play, but that Knicks team, is what always gets talked about. Like we talk about it today, like oh, the glory of the Knicks. They'll we'll talk about Patrick Ewing. They'll talk about the '90s now because I think the '70s are so far away that it's just even the people that grew up in the '90s weren't around to see the '70s. Whereas, whereas I remember in like the '2000s, people would talk about Willis Reed and Walt Fraser. and and, and, and yeah. you know, in the 90s they talk about that because the people they were young enough to have seen it. But now it's like fifty years. Ago. Wow, that's a long time. I mean it's just amazing to me that this guy had that kind of achievement because it's, I mean, he has his Jersey retired in basketball. He has this amazing career. Number one, I, I am, I don't understand how he doesn't yet have the presidential medal of freedom. I was looking and I don't see that he has it. They've given it to Michael Jordan, Bill Gates, Joe Biden, like, and so forth. A lot of people like when I look at his list, I think this guy should have it. And I am also surprised that and maybe it's by his choice, but that, he, that there's just no real affiliation with him in the NBA, like the modern NBA. Like there's no interviews. He doesn't show up. He doesn't. They don't say, "Well, we're like check in on the jump, the ten minute interview." What do you think's going on? And especially now with the NBA being, with so many players being so active, uh, in, in different causes in society, like you just you don't hear from him. There's no real acknowledgement of him. Even during the peak of insanity, um, you have this Ivy League player playing for the Knicks in the Garden. Like <laughs> it's just amazing to me that. Um, mm. he's, just, it, that. he's just shows like it was just it was it's it almost like LeBron in a way. It's like now I don't see LeBron going this route. Like this guy's from uh he's from a, like this guy's from like this kind of I don't know what the term is aristocratic or wealthy family who had obviously, um, who had like uh, he he's he's basically part of the establishment. So he pursued a life. Yeah, trip. he was in the establishment. Yeah. He just happened to have been been a tall guy who could play on a championship NBA team at the same time. Yeah. Um. I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm impressed. I'm amazed. And I think, uh, if anything, I, I just, um, it, it's probably maybe his own choice, but it, it would be a coup, I think, if the NBA just had him more involved with the, the league and the game in some way. Um, and I'm not sure
0: if maybe maybe there's, uh, maybe there's a legitimate reason. Maybe it's yeah. mutual or maybe if he had a falling out with David Stern at some point or both.
1: Yeah, um, possibly, you know. yeah um, mm-hmm. He... Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything you want to add on that or, or like, cause that's, I know I kind of hit on a lot of different areas. If there's any thoughts <laughs> that I triggered in you based on all that.
0: Yeah. Needless to say, there's definitely no player today that's um, yeah. thinking of retired oh. players. That's even, you mm-hmm. know, is, is, do we know of any kind of hall of fame all-star maybe <laughs> nba
1: first team guys that are that are even thinking of entering politics right so, now i'm just trying to think of guys yeah. who've retired lately there was one guy uh, there was a few others who i didn't know their name but there's one particular who you might remember mm-hmm. Who he didn't go that high up but he became the mayor of sacramento which is kevin johnson i think he might have played for the phoenix oh Saints. my god
0: kj yeah of course
1: oh my I goodness know. yeah I forgot so, about okay. him you're right yeah but yeah he, he, he even became... mugged
0: or something during a during that <laughs> yeah um
1: Completely forgot. Kevin Johnson. You're yeah. right. Um, but I mean, obviously different. Yeah. I mean, all public service is good service. You know, he's, he's doing his community good. Mm. But um, uh, is there any NBA player you could think of today who you think could come close to, I won't say follow this guy's footsteps because this is quite an impressive list. But let's say go on and serve in public life, say at least at the federal level. Um, is there anyone that you think in the NBA? Yeah, maybe? I'm thinking of – Again, only
0: because these guys just kind of get shoved a microphone in their face and, you know, their um, their comments just go viral right away. Uh, okay. Stan Van Gundy, Greg Popovich, oh, okay. Steve Kerr, Doc Rivers. I think Doc okay. Rivers, if he really wanted to, uh, probably could. He's, he's well-read. He's respected. He's got that. I... Yeah. He, 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 I think he hits, he hits on a he hits on certain emotions when he talks. I'm, I'm a Doc Rivers guy as well. Um, but yeah, any of those forms, I'm really just trying okay. to think of former players who kind of might want to get into that. But yeah, those are well, four guys
1: that I think of right okay. away. Yeah, I mean, mm. to be honest, I wasn't thinking along those lines. I, I know that they give good interviews, I don't think I've seen mm-hmm. from them like that acumen. I don't know what the right word would be like where you just think okay that guy's just really sharp above everybody else like there is actually well there was one player but she's in the WNBA uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name Shanae Ogwumike like she went to Stanford she was a number one uh over I think she was a number one overall pick in the WNBA I forget which team okay. she plays for she uh and she, she so she chose Stanford she could have gone to UConn which is the power women's powerhouse but she chose Stanford of for, course the uh, you know the academic experience. Her her resident advisor in first year was Condoleezza Rice, and just every time she oh. gives any interview, any analysis, mm. it is some of the most thoughtful stuff that she, that a player or personality in the sports world articulates. Like a lot of people just yeah. sort of throw stuff out there, and for the average sports fan, it's good enough. For, it's for consumption. It's not that deep. It's not that thoughtful. She goes to that level, and uh, and I'm always very impressed anytime she says anything. I think that there's one n b a player who I'd be curious about, which would be Jalen Brown. he's still quite young, it's hard to see where his life's going, mm-hmm. but he's and he's quite an engaged guy, quite thoughtful he either is it he gives lectures okay. or he talks at Harvard because he's in Boston but um mm-hmm. I think that uh that's he's a guy to look out for to see what what he yeah. has beyond basketball um yeah I, I'm gonna jump onto the next guys. if that's all right unless there's a the last slide you have sorry
0: with you no, no, I was just gonna say oh. and and this this ties back to uh, LeBron as well. Um, I think I think a lot of NBA players that are retired now and they kind of hear that word shut up and dribble, you know, the famous yeah. word said by Laura Ingram. Um, not that they needed someone like that to get their mojo going, but I think they also take a comment like that. And if if maybe they were thinking of entering a certain type of lifestyle after the NBA was concerned. um, It's almost like they can also say, all right, we can prove to you that we're not just dumb jocks. Right. And there is definitely a empowerment movement happening with these NBA players um, regarding their brand and their identity. And they're very much not limited to just the sport. So I'll just end on that.
1: Yeah. I'll, um, The the next guy that came to mind, uh, Yao Ming. So Mm -hmm. he, you know, essentially the biggest thing about him, well, I'll just read off his NBA achievements first, right? Five-time All-NBA, two times on the second team, three times on the third team, eight time All-Star, the first international player with no U.S. college experience to be drafted first overall. He was the flag bearer for for China in the Beijing Olympics in 2008. Just a little bit of trivia. There were four NBA players that were flag bearers at that Olympics. Do you know who the other three were?
0: It's gotta be Andrea Bargnani and two others.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, it was not Andrea Barnani. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you the countries. Let's see, see if you get them. I know you'll get two of them. Um, All right, go Argen- for it. Argentina, Germany, and Russia.
0: Oh, why can't I think of that Argentinian player? Good looking <laughs> okay. guy. Um and what were the other two countries? Argentina, Germany, Russia. Okay, so Germany, Dirk. Yeah. And what was the last country? Sorry? Russia.
1: Oh, God. oh um, AK 47. Okay, uh, very good. I didn't think you would get that
0: one. Yeah. Okay. Who, who am I? What's the Argentina player? Argentina was not in Ginobili. Oh, my God. You know what I was thinking yeah. of? I'll Google him. But no, I was not thinking Ginobili. Okay, it's Carlos Delfino. Go know. on. Okay. Mm, but close. Was,
1: Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, and he had his number 11 retired by the Rockets. I mean, it's really interesting. Like, looking at his career it's it's not necessarily spectacular like it's a great career obviously he's very you know he achieved a lot i mean nba all-star to be honest i mean he's voted in and this is where i think the vote started skewing a bit because the the fans in china were able to just straight flood (laughs) the online vote and in a way that the nba wasn't ready and the i think the media didn't know how to cover it but yeah he's an eight-time all-star five-time all-nba um he, he got in I, – I think like part of why he can get in is because there was so much uh, recognition for what he was doing for the game. And here and this is kind of – when I say for the game, because beyond the NBA, here's, here's kind of his impact. Michael Wilbon wrote, Yao Ming has introduced more people to professional basketball, surely the NBA brand, than any one man in history of the sport. I don't know if that's entirely true. I think he's sort of just attributing – like Yao with the Chinese market, I mean, certainly, but I think Michael Jordan has actually might have been the first guy to really make that impact okay. in the country. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, certainly Yao is the most beloved for sure. Um, and he might, maybe, maybe, maybe he did because sort of like, even though they were showing those, those bulls games in the China and the 90s, it's just when those rockets games were coming on, like that, that was probably where they obviously got their biggest audiences because there was actually greater distribution, Um, approximately 200 million. They would kind of estimate that a rockets game when it was playing with Yao, like it would get 200 million people watching that. Right. That's, that's, whereas like the average playoff game would get like, you know, like 5 million or something like that. So, um, yeah, it just shows you like the impact he had, because the thing is that today it is routine for NBA teams and players to go to China once a year to do some kind of marketing trip or play some Mm -hmm. exhibition game, um, and even the the CBA, which now he's the chair of, like it's become a, a force of its own, attracting other American players to go play. Like what's his name, uh, Jimmy Fredette has had some success yeah. there, and Stefan Marbury, who had a whole second life, and really, I mean, I don't know if you were aware, but they have a statue of him in Beijing, actually. Um, yeah, I, I I did know that. Yeah.
0: So yeah, like, yeah, we 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 should actually do a podcast on Stefan Marbury. <laughs> one day. That,
1: that guy is fascinating. It is, yeah, um, and. So, I mean, the sport of basketball having spread like that through China and it's like it contributes, I think some people estimate 10% of the revenue for the NBA comes out of China now. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's a growing market. So he uh, he definitely and – and I think part of this is because he was both good and also had the right kind of poise to be able to sort of Lead. I don't even know if he was. I don't know if he was the leader of the team because he had team act there, but he was a guy that pretty much anybody who played with him respected him, and I think opponents grew to respect him. I think he faced some racism in, in the beginning, which I don't need to get into, but he he gradually did earn like everybody's respect. I think over time, and um, he uh, and and, and uh, yeah, so I, I think that contributions can't really be denied. I think what I would last thing I'll kind of add before I throw it to you is. I think uh, a couple guys who kind of give honorable mention to, because the way I thought of Yao was I thought of him as, a, as sort of pioneering the sport. So it goes beyond kind of beyond what it is and growing the, sort of the, 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 pie and the awareness and the fandom of the sport. One was obviously, which would, I didn't, we didn't mention Michael. I didn't mention Michael Jordan because it's pretty much obvious and we had already covered him in the last yeah. dance podcast, but mm-hmm. you know, he sort of let the groundwork that, okay, this is, we can make this a business and a phenomenon and, you can market around personalities. And so that was him who opened the door for every other player later on LeBron as well. Like LeBron can do all he's doing both on and off the court because Michael Jordan made it possible is how I'm seeing it. Then also honorable mention to, I say Vince Carter and I know it's going to sound like a bit of a bias because you and I grew up watching him um, because Canada's not nearly, it's, it's well, It's one of the smallest, smallest developed countries that there is. Um, but the reason, and we, and I didn't go into him because we covered him last week in uh, The Greatest Raptors, but it actually is quite profound what his impact is. Because yes, we talked about how different Canadian players grew up watching him and now have, that level of competition has grown and the ability has grown so that now they can compete in the NBA. Um, what's fascinating is that, that Canadian team, like it was that team with it was either with RJ Barrett or Andrew Wiggins, where at the under twenty level, like they were already beating the American teams in some competitions. Like it's entirely mm-hmm. possible that in four or eight years, you might see a Canadian team that could field ten, fifteen guys who can actually take on ten, fifteen guys in America, and then actually even re- you know be a threat. I think that's that's entirely possible, depending how how their program develops and you know, Vince is a pioneer. This is, I mean, you wouldn't think of it. Absolutely. Like he sets his tone and now this other country might actually beat the USA in some competitions. Um, and it's, it's distinct because those Canadian players actually do compete against their, their counterparts in high school in the American AAU tournaments. They do travel down to the States. That's different than players in Australia, players in Europe. So, um, so I, I thought, yeah, a bit of just a little bit of a side mention of Vince, but, um, for Yao, is there any any thoughts or anything that come to mind that you want to share? Or, well, I first know, of I'm all, right. for those – Yeah. Yeah. For those
0: keeping score, I was, for whatever reason, thinking of Marco uh, Bellinelli, an Italian mm. player, who I thought was Argentinian. So – Okay. Excuse my ignorance there. <laughs> um, yeah, Yao was just um, – <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know why I'm laughing just thinking about his career, but he was he was awesome, man. He just – guy kind of came you're right he didn't have this um I don't know what do you think do you think if he's not from China that if he was from like um,
1: Toledo Ohio if he okay. was from Toledo Ohio and went no. to like Virginia Tech does he get into the Hall of Fame no I don't think so because number one if he if he had been from T- he wouldn't have well he's a five-time All-NBA I don't think so I don't know if it yeah, I have think he would be I think he would have I take it back okay. no he, he's yeah? definitely
0: a Hall of Famer yeah five-time All. So, um, right. Yeah, yeah, if you have if you're a nine-time, eight-time All Star, you're you're in the Hall of Fame.
1: Now he wouldn't um, have if he was from Toledo, Ohio, he wouldn't have been an NBA All Star eight times though, because he was vote because was able to get voted in by that really big population. Um, oh yeah. Now he might have got voted as yeah. a reserve at least a few of those years, mm-hmm. but
0: mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: But let's say it's all NBA though, five-time All NBA because that's where you actually earn your chips. That that's what really yeah how good you are. Maybe it is yeah. Yeah. But but here's what I think. I think you're touching on something I did want to say is we talked about Andrea Bagnani last week. In mm-hmm. some ways I can kind of see a parallel between these guys. Now Andrea didn't achieve as much success in terms of all NBA and stuff like that. But um, you do wonder like you, you, if you, if you wasn't this guy who was from China and draft first overall, like, from another country, or if he's also just on the wrong team. Like he, this is what I meant when I think Andrea on a different team in a different situation, who knows, maybe he would have been just spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been a different career. Um, and I can almost kind of see that. Yeah. In a different situation. I don't know who knows, um, if he does or doesn't succeed, but yeah, that's what comes to mind.
0: It was really cool to see that part of the world just kind of yeah. in unison it's like that's our guy and yes he was for the world to see and um yeah yeah, it was kind of funny during the uh i I forget one year that the the votes came in for all-star and it was just i mean it wasn't just all of china it was china creating bots and all this (laughs) i mean it was it, it was it was crazy um it's awesome looking back you almost kind of wish that um, Lin Sanity, although in the you know American Chinese version yeah. of um, of yeah, you're really you know kind of pulling for him to um kind oh, of make yeah. it all the way. And but he again, he was what, what spect- you know, what, what, yeah, because what, too, what but a not spectacular, yeah, yeah. Well, Lin Sanity was what four six weeks at most, but yeah, what a wild ride, time. right? And, and Yao Ming was, was that as well. So, listen, um, we can dissect the stats and. Yeah. You know, um, and play God with if he belongs in the Hall of Fame. But again, it's a guy that was, you know, he was a, he was a fun ride while it happened. It made for probably the greatest moment on NBA on TNT when Barkley said that he couldn't score 19 points and and had to kiss the um the ass <laughs> so live on true. TV, the the yeah. donkey, yeah. So it was um <laughs> yeah it was he was it was a fun ride, man.
1: It was it was cool for yeah. yeah, years, yeah um so i think we've got time for one more you want to uh mm-hmm. throw yeah Who, who's who's on your mind though um well i guess it can i had i had two guys
0: but i'll, I'll quickly run through them um yeah yeah i, I had charles barkley and okay. magic johnson um okay. charles barkley just really quick he's you know he was he's he's your anti-hero he said as much um in 93 and Nike made a commercial around him saying, I'm not a role model. Parents should be role models. Um, And I think you and I might have talked offline one time of how Charles Barkley is, you know, this generation probably doesn't even associate him with having a Mm playing career. Um, But yet, you know, he's he's done 20 years of TV, you know, that includes (laughs) one Emmy Saturday night live. Yeah. Nike right guard, weight watchers Saturday night live. And what I think makes Charles such an enigma Kind of larger than life is that i mean this guy will have you know you, you want to talk about blemish free he's definitely not blemish free he's had duis he's had right. family episodes but the best part about him and i almost think that he's not playing a character it's just him yeah yeah It's just him. So he'll blow (laughs) allegedly $2.5 million in one weekend. He will lose that money gambling. And yet he will look dead into the camera and tell and say to rich people that you don't give enough back to the poor. Um, He's, I wrote down here, he's a casting director's dream and a PR firm's nightmare. Um, I kind of equate him to Don Cherry and I know people are just going to just spit out their tea or Japanese sake, whatever you're drinking there, Jason. But he's in a lot of ways um, and forget the um, let's forget about how they lean politically and why Don Cherry is no longer on TV. Although I would not be surprised. And I don't think anyone would if Charles Barkley says something on TV one day (laughs) and they have to cut him. I mean, he's going to die spectacularly (laughs) in terms of his um, in terms of his TV career, but they're both unapologetic. Talking about Charles Barkley and Don Cherry. They're both terrible analysis. they 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 do not give cogent <laughs> arguments. Their X's and O's are just terrible. People don't that's, tune in for that. That's interesting. Um, they, say
1: that. I actually thought he yeah, uh, they, I, I like his insights. Okay. No, 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 so so do I,
0: but I don't think you tune in for that. And I think they they both butcher people's names, European names for some reason. Well, I think yeah, they're more I mean, often
1: wrong than they are right. Um, but his basketball X's and O's are on point, though. Like the way he breaks down, like what teams are sometimes. Like, you know, sometimes. Uh, sometimes. Oh, yeah.
0: put it this way: I don't look. I don't. I don't tune into. I don't. Just like I don't. Fair just enough. Like for yeah, years, yeah. they're an entertainment. Just like country. for years, just like for years, I didn't care for Don Cherry. Okay. And now, um, for the last twenty years, I guess I don't care for. Um, I don't care for Charles Barkley lecturing <laughs> me on X's <S's> and O's. <laughs> I still tune in. I still okay. tune in. Like they 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 got me. They right. got me. Even though I disagree yeah. with them more often than not, they absolutely got me. And I'm going to take a unconventional take, but I actually think him, Kenny and Shaq, I think Shaq's the odd man out. I actually think Shaq hinders that chemistry. I don't like Shaq as
1: That's interesting. um
0: Charles's foil. Um no, Shaq Shaq's not okay. been cutting it for me all these years. I know
1: That's because, oh wow. I, I'm totally digging it. I thought he was a great addition. Like and it's, no, it's really I hate impressive. It, bro. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was impressed how he they did bring him in because I do like how I don't know, I first because I think like Shaq and Charles, like when they do talk, they give these really and especially Shaq just gives these really intelligent insights into the game. You can tell Shaq's wow. just really smart about this stuff. And then secondly, like um it's hard to break into a already set crew there like those three guys had already been doing it for years and the shack's going to come in mm-hmm. um quite good now maybe i i can't remember what it was in the year one but they had to blend into it but i mean i guess we just have different preferences when it comes to to that table there i mean i uh
0: yeah i, I feel like i feel like so whenever it's ej charles and kenny i feel like they're they're having that quote barbecue barbershop talk and then when Shaq is in there i mean we both know wrestling i feel like he's working the room and i just don't like it so again i i know i'm probably okay. in the minority okay. but okay i would prefer a straight guy um careful how i say it i prefer um the straight man yeah the straight. i know what you mean just yeah kind of yeah yeah so any, and we talked news. about him recently i thought he was I thought he was stellar in the last dance. I would love to see a BJ Armstrong get in there because even Kenny Smith can't play the straight man. He's got to get his okay, legs have, in and he's no, got
1: Kenny's Ken not a straight straight man. Um, no, he's I not. can't stand. Kenny That's Smith. why I would love BJ. I would love BJ
0: Armstrong to be okay. there and just, you know, calmly tell the American people how the game of basketball is played and what they just saw at halftime. And then, Okay. Kenny kind of agreeing with them, but then Charles just kind of shitting on it and, you know, giving his jabs in on Draymond Green. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably – probably wouldn't work out. It's probably, you know, uh, I'm sure if executives were hearing my pitch right now, they would they would laugh and okay. show me the ratings and tell me why I'm wrong. But that's okay. Um yeah. hasn't stopped me before. But um, Charles? And quickly – yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, I was just going to say, like, he uh, has been uh, – yeah, like that – just we had to, I think, mention that's that one. There was that one campaign, and I don't remember exactly crystal clearly, but it was Nike, and it was just the "I am not a role model" campaign, and he got got some criticism yeah. for that. Yeah, the commercial, yeah. Um, but he has, yeah. I mean, it was kind of he provoked just you know important conversations. I thought among people, mm-hmm. just like, hey, what's the role of a celebrity versus what's the role of the parents of of a kid, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I mean, there was going to be you asked different guys will have different opinions but I mean he was never afraid to provoke even as an athlete just some thought he was he was a thoughtful guy he was um politically active he was also socially conscious like look I mean I think Mm -hmm. that's the thing too like what's different about him versus Don Don's just he's I mean he's been inflammatory ever since I've ever watched him I could never relate to him but Charles like as though he will pick on different players he might have his own gripes he's always um been vocal about things that were important like with the nba all-star game that was in north carolina and when they had he Mm -hmm. was vocal about it being moved and what's going on now um in you know in society like so i think he's he's used his platform and never really been shy about it okay i mean he had his view about daryl morey that i didn't agree with but you know he had his own opinion shaq um yeah shaq that shaq stuck up for daryl morey and i I respected that but uh yeah and and anyway Send all, listen. Send all the hate mail this way.
0: In no way am I even considering that Don Cherry and Charles Barkley, at their core, are the same people. Um, I'm just really talking about their on-screen character, which I think Don Cherry plays and Charles Barkley. If you you know were to ask him in the green room, "Hey Charles, um, how does it feel playing a character on TV?" He'll probably say, "What uh, what character?" <laughs> right. I mean, I really think he just goes out there yeah, and probably is looks at his agent looks at his accountants like you're paying me what to just be myself and talk are you crazy um i didn't have a lot to say about magic johnson because like michael jordan we kind of know about um, his career and
1: stuff yeah
0: his career and what he's meant for the game and you know in 1991 coming out and telling the world that he was HIV positive, and um it's really important i just want to say one yeah very important moment in society in which which thank you Jason which gets me to this point um I'm just gonna throw it out there um, because it's not that magic Johnson needed this to happen what what I wish did happen for him but okay for him to um, achieve the status that he has today but I really feel like the NBA missed an opportunity. And again, I don't know if it was possible. There might've been some court rulings or something that made it impossible, but let's just say that if the NBA has enough, has as much clout to take away a franchise from someone just like that, I really wish they could have given the franchise to someone. I know magic Johnson's part of the, um, the Guggenheim management team that owns the LA Dodgers, but yeah. Um, Look, I know Steve Ballmer, the owner of the LA Clippers. He was what Bill Gates' Frappuccino maker, order taker, (laughs) uh, back at Microsoft. But I'm sorry, the the NBA should have given the LA Clippers organization to Magic Johnson. Just make a backroom deal, drop something, make the numbers work out. Maybe there was discussions. Maybe Magic was interested. I'm 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 not too sure of the timeline. It was it was very chaotic when when um when the LA Clippers were um were kind of up for grabs. But 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 in terms of optics and what's good for the game, this is a hill I am willing to die on. And when I do think about Magic Johnson, he absolutely should have been the owner of the LA Clippers and not Steve Ballmer. Did he have was he bidding for it though? Like, I don't know, and I don't care. Just okay. give him the, just give him the franchise. Yeah, that's again. I might be oversimplifying it, but, but why give him the Clippers? Why, like, I don't get. Well, because you're not going gives... to give him the Lakers. Because the Lakers have good ownership and respected ownership, and yeah. you know, it, it was it, more circumstantial. It just happened to be in Los Angeles. It just, okay. you know, I mean, why give him the
1: Dodgers? I mean, I know he didn't. I, know he was uh, I mean, the he Dodgers, was part of a but... team to buy the Dodgers. I mean, I, I don't think exactly. So. I don't think he's even a billionaire, let alone have enough to buy the Clippers. No, he's
0: not, and that's why. Again, again, I might sound—I don't know what I sound like. I might sound like a woke liberal, but I don't care. I think, I think it doesn't look good that Steve Ballmer is the owner of an NBA franchise that was kind of up in the air, and it just went to the highest bidder, and it went to him, and. I really think that we there might be a story there. I mean this might be a giant conspiracy theory, but I really think that someone should have um he, Magic Johnson should have been earmarked for that kind of role and yes the ownership role. I think it's Magic Johnson owner president okay. LA well, Clippers done. Right.
1: I mean Magic has um he's really like he was really like Jalen Rose calls him the Hall of Fame mogul. like Because aside from being – first of all, his his role in basketball is really important because obviously him and Bird were the ones who sort of resuscitated a league that was not doing well when they came in. And then they handed it off to Michael to take it to another level. So his role in the NBA's history is just always going to be there. And it's just played one of the most important roles in keeping that league alive. And then he goes on to have that other life where he's just – owning different franchises, whether it's like, I don't know, it's Starbucks, or it's like, just he's become a businessman with different investments through a Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. And so he, this is, I mean, before him, players played, they earned their salary, they took this pride in being this player that would play hurt or whatever, they might have been lucky to get an endorsement, and then they would retire and hopefully they would keep their money. And some guys didn't. Magic was a guy who was like, I'm gonna be more than just this player, I'm going to have this career when I retire and like i remember there was this one season he was injured and jerry Bus had said okay well then just here follow me come to this meeting just just learn because you're injured so he he got a bit of tutelage from jerry Bus and sort of how to sort of just approach business and so he has been a role model for a bunch of other guys uh after him and like kind of michael and then lebron uh, who we talked about earlier carries that mantle forward and now it's like some people make a bit of a parody about how guys today want to be their own brand and they want to be a mogul. But I mean, I, I sort of just admire it and respect it because it's like the alternative was the stuff in the mid two thousands or the nineties where we you, you criticize guys for losing all their money, which I just don't think that's really going to happen to a lot of the guys today. Because a, their money is so big that you can't really screw it up as badly where you lose everything. And second, and also because a lot of these guys are just better informed. You think of Magic as sort of laying that template for all these other guys. So. Yeah, much more mm-hmm. to that. And I think just going back to that part about because we glossed over it a bit, but it's a really important part. It's it's more, it's as tied in with his legacy as anything, which is him testing positive for HIV. Because like, we were too young to really understand the significance. That's how I see it. I, I mean, I heard about it. I knew, okay, well, he's sick. And there's that movie Philadelphia that comes and I don't really understand what any of this stuff is. And mm-hmm. only in hindsight, when you understand what this means, where when he's saying he's positive and then people are thinking, oh, that means he's going to die within a year or two. Because I, I mean, at that time in mm-hmm. history, a lot of people were they didn't have like all the different uh antiviral treatments and all the stuff that they have now which basically li- let people live like essentially their whole lives while being positive like, right my understanding is that magic has actually he's actually he's so minute the trace of the virus in his system that he will actually test negative that's my understanding even though he's never been mm. really cured of it so it really shows first like kind of all the improvements that have happened and he and, you know, he brought attention to this. And it was just like, I think like the gay community in the 80s probably took a lot of, they, from what I understand, they took all these hits for us being like the disease, disease associated with them. And then like when you saw Magic Johnson, yeah. who's one of America's favorite faces being uh, infected, it was just like a awakening for everybody. Okay, this is different. And then also like the way David Stern paved the way for him to play in that game and David Stern being very adamant that this is what's going to happen um mm-hmm. it was it's a it's one of those like seminal moments um and like for the nba and society and uh so i think like that's kind of going to be a really important part of his legacy and you know it's a shame in the way that his career is i mean he was already kind of he'd already played most of his career anyway but you know you wonder like what what would have been if he was able to just kind of keep playing on you know like they lost to the the bulls that that won playoffs but and maybe that would have been it, maybe he was basically on his way out, but but um um yeah I just yeah, truly impressive guy. I know in recent years as a, as a basketball executive guy in the front office or as a coach, he may not have been you know like the the best uh official in in that position, but it's you know it's a tough position I don't think that takes away from all his other contributions to the sport and into the world um yeah will I'll uh so anyway, I think I hope you all enjoyed that. And um, yeah, so is there anything you want else anything else you want to add on top of that? No,
0: Jason, this was pretty cool for me. It was kind of outside of my comfort zone, but the world knows <laughs> who the hell Bill Bradley is now, yeah. right? So i I thinking yeah, yeah. no need to I uh, don't no need to Google him. That was pretty cool, man. Thanks.
1: Thanks, man. I'll stick to your vision, keep the composition I've
0: seen a lot of shame in the game I've seen a lot of pain with the fame I've seen a lot of highs and lows, but that's just the way life goes I've seen my name written in the light I've seen a lot of things in my life I've seen a lot of highs and lows, but that's just the way life goes I the microphone like a priest does a rosary,